Welcome to the Florida Bar Podcast, where we highlight the latest trends in law office and law practice management to help you run your law firm. Brought to you by the Florida Bar's Practice Resource Institute. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello, and welcome to the Florida Bar Podcast, brought to you by the Practice Resource Institute on Legal Talk Network. We're so glad you're joining us. This is Christine Bilbury. I'm a practice management advisor at PRI and one of the hosts for today's show, which is being recorded from our offices in Tallahassee, Florida. Hello, I'm Jonathan Israel. I'm the director of the Florida Bar's Practice Resource Institute. Our goal at PRI is to assist Florida attorneys with running the business side of their law practices. We'll be focusing on a different topic each month, and we'll carry the theme through our newsletter, website, and with related tech tips and articles. So this month at PRI, our topic is improving client communication and calendaring to reduce stress and avoid bar complaints, Um, because we do hear from a lot of people that they fear the bar because of this, and we want to uh, make things as transparent as possible. So joining us today is attorney Chanel Schuyler. Chanel is the director of the Attorney Consumer Assistance Program, known as ACAP, here at the Florida Bar. She also supervises the bar's grievance mediation and fee arbitration program. Chanel has practiced commercial litigation, banking law, eminent domain, real estate, and probate administration. She joined the Florida Bar in 2007 as a senior attorney in ACAP and became director of the ACAP intake department in February of 2012. Welcome to the show, Chanel. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, Chanel, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what do you do here at ACAP? Oh, wow. Well, um, I have been an attorney uh, licensed in Florida since 1994. Uh, I was in private practice for about 14 years uh, in South Florida and uh, then moved to Tennessee. I was licensed there for about five years and uh, then had the opportunity to move uh, to Tallahassee with my family and joined the Florida Bar at the very time that ACAP was expanding to also become the intake department, uh, where if um, if ACAP cannot resolve an issue um, that occurs between an attorney and a client or an attorney and even a third party, um, then uh, the, the complaint process then starts. We can provide the complaint form or tell someone how to get the complaint. Uh, And then we also are the central intake of all the complaints throughout the entire state of Florida. And so in uh, 2007, the the department doubled in size. Uh, We have eight staff attorneys, uh, plus myself as the director. Uh, And we take on, again, we have a hotline shift where we try to resolve issues before they come to the complaint process, uh, or we direct people on how to uh, assist them, how to how to file a complaint if, if they need to. And then we do the front end of the investigation here uh, where we, we will send out the, the complaint and a letter to the attorney requiring their response. The complainant gets to respond or rebut anything that's in that response. And then we take a look to see what we have to, to see whether or not uh, it's something that would rise to the level of something that would require discipline or uh, if it would be just closed at the staff level. Okay, so you're kind of the triage for all the complaints coming in. That's a perfect word. That's the, something that we use here as well. And so if, if a complaint is um, to go further uh, from our office, it would be then sent to the branch level um, for further investigation. And that's where it would possibly go to a grievance committee for a probable cause determination. And if probable cause is found, that triggers our uh prosecutors, our staff attorneys, to file a formal complaint with the Supreme Court at that point in time. 
So what are the maybe top three complaints you get? What are the most common uh, complaints that you have coming into your office? Uh, we get a lot of complaints concerning lack of communication. I think that's uh, one of the big ones. Um, you know, and and I I guess I should really preface um, this by saying that in in reviewing the complaints that we do receive, those written sworn complaints, our level, our threshold level of opening a complaint for an attorney's response is relatively low. It's if taken as true, would the complaint allegations possibly warrant the imposition of discipline. And so when you're thinking about that kind of standard, my attorney doesn't call me back. That's enough to get uh, a, to trigger a response, um, to trigger the file to be open and then get a response from that attorney. Now that attorney may say, look, I have documentation and, uh, you know, emails and, and phone records that show that I've contacted this person every other day or something like that. And that's what we would need then to close out our file to say, well, there seems to be enough communication there that it wouldn't rise to the level of something that would warrant discipline. But that attorney still has had to, then to go through that process. Um, you know, so with the standard being as low as it is, it is a low standard for us to to actually open a grievance. It's taken as true. Would it would it result in in uh, a possibly discipline? Lack of communication is definitely one of those. Uh, we see a lot of issues with um, with fee disputes. Putting your fee agreements in writing will reduce quite a number of those kinds of issues. Keeping those things, de defining what the scope of your representation is. Uh, you know, if there's uh, a worker's comp and a personal injury, are you taking on both of those? Um, if there's a, a criminal action plus a forfeiture action, are you taking on both of those? If there's a criminal action and there's two more criminal actions that come later on, are you taking on those as well? Um, so being very specific in your written fee uh, agreement is very important to avoid those unnecessary necessarily filed complaints. I think the other ones are uh, when when there is an issue where maybe the attorney-client relationship has maybe gone a little sour um, and and sort of it's coming to an end then. The return of any um, documentation that belongs to the client um, and or asserting a lien for any unpaid attorney's fees, those kinds of things tend to generate a little bit more complaints as well. We also have areas of practice, I think, that we see uh, more complaints. Our areas of practice that we see um, the greatest amount of complaints coming in is, is criminal defense work. Um, and, you know, followed closely by, by some complaints about prosecutors. Um, the other one that, that closely follows then those, those criminal complaints is family law. So in, in those instances, again, those are, you know, just very stressful times for, for people. And, you know, they tend to, to come out in, in complaints in that way. And I think it's really important to point out because I think uh, if you're an attorney and you're already stressed, you're overwhelmed by everything that you have to do, and then you get this letter from the bar. When we read in the Florida Bar News, a lot of times they're in trouble because they just never responded. And I think that they don't, it, like there's this moment where they just freeze up and think if they don't open their mail, it's going to go away. So I'm glad that you're saying that's just the start. And if you've got the doc documentation that they could head off this turn, you know, turning it into something much more serious. Can you, do you have any kind of like percentage of like, all, like from all the calls or complaints you get, 
how many are you able to head off by the attorney responding and like it's been a misunderstanding that you may go away? Oh, okay. Well, um, let me talk about kind of like the broad ACAP part then and then narrow down to when we have an intake and that's a sworn complaint where we are going to turn it into an answer. So ACAP, um, we roughly take about 19,000 to 20,000 requests for assistance every year. And a request for assistance is if caller calls in about one attorney they get a, re- a number, they get a reference number, a request for assistance. They can call in 20 times on that same attorney, and that's still just one request for assistance, okay? And so we try to resolve that issue, but if it goes to maybe a sworn complaint, then there there's a new, a, a different type of case number then that's generated from from that. Now, we get, like I said, roughly nineteen to 20,000 of those requests for assistance every year. We turn about between 25 and 30% of those into cases. And those are sworn complaints where the Florida Bar has jurisdiction. For instance, we don't have jurisdiction over sitting judges. We don't have jurisdiction over the elected public officials like the elected state attorney or the elected uh, defense uh, uh, attorney, the uh, public defender, excuse me. And um, so so sworn complaints, where we have jurisdiction and where the allegations would warrant that that imposit could possibly warrant that imposition of discipline. So we uh, about a third, I would say, um, are, are turned into case files where we're actually invest opening those, investigating, requiring the attorney to respond, giving the opportunity to that complainant to file a rebuttal to that response. And of those of that one third, and so if we're talking about, let's just kind of talk about round numbers because I'm you know I'm a lawyer, I'm not a mathematician. Um, so uh, twenty thousand. Say we're we're turning maybe five thousand of those into cases. A, about another third of those would then go to the branch office. So roughly, well, actually, probably even a little bit more than that. Um, we're probably maybe about more for, like forty percent of those come into to the branch offices. And when you say the branch offices, so each branch handles a certain section of the state. Is that what we're talking about? That's correct. Yes. We have five branch offices. Uh, Tallahassee covers the entire panhandle from Pensacola to Jacksonville. Uh, then we have the Orlando branch that uh, covers the, the East Coast and into Central Florida. The Tampa branch office uh, covers the West Coast of Florida all the way down to Naples. And um, then we have Miami-Dade County that covers that county as well as Monroe. And we have the Fort Lauderdale branch office that covers Broward and and Palm Beach. And so if we transfer a case down to the branch office, um, they get the entire file and and then they set out to to have an investigating member from their grievance committee do further investigation, report back to the committee and vote on probable cause. So it sounds like you're, I had no idea the volume of calls you were getting and there's eight of you up there. So that's impressive. Um, are you getting a lot of calls that are I would use the word frivolous, like they're just upset. So you're kind of talking them down or, I mean, is that some of the, like they think that it's a serious thing or how are you explaining that to all the callers? Where are they, how are you diffusing that if from the high volume down to the numbers you're actually turning into cases? Yeah, well, I think that's one of the beauties of the ACAP program. Um, 
we do get callers that are frustrated with um, either their own attorney not calling them back or for some reason they expect an attorney that's working for the other side to be able to talk to them. Um, if they're represented, obviously, they <laughs> the attorney for the other side can't talk to a represented person. Um, sometimes they're not authorized to talk to this particular person. For instance, let's say it's a probate estate. The attorney is actually representing the personal representative, not the beneficiaries. And so if that personal representative has said, I don't want you to waste the estate's money on talking to the 15 cousins, they're not going to talk to the 15 cousins. Um, you know, so they, you know, an attorney can't talk about the case to someone who's not their client. You know, maybe it's the mother of the son who's now incarcerated. Mama, I can't tell you anything. I'm sorry. You know, and so that's the beauty of ACAP where we can actually say we're, an, we're disinterested in this whole thing. And, and so sometimes when that disinterested person says what the attorney's been saying all along, <laughs> um, then, you know, it helps to reinforce that and say, oh, okay, well, they're, they are telling <laughs> the truth, you know, um, so we will tell them, mama, this attorney can't talk to you. They're just, they're, they're not permitted to, other than if you're a witness and if you would have something to say to them, but they can't talk to you about your son's case. They're not authorized to do that. And even if your son gives them authorization, doesn't mean he has to, or the attorney has to talk to you. It's, it's a prerogative. It, you know, it would be like, I give you permission to, but you're not required to at that point in time. So we do a lot of educating um, in ACAP. And, and I think that's, again, one of those things that um, when someone hears it from someone else and they say, okay, well, that's, that's not a rule violation. As a matter of fact, that's, a, that's being compliant with the rules. Um, and so if that attorney would talk to you, that could possibly be a rule violation, you know, f- from someone else then. Well, that's wonderful. So you're actually helping out attorneys a lot if, because if they're, like you said, they're trying to explain this over and over and it's taking up time. Mm-hmm. That's nice that you're doing this educational component for the public. My next question is about um, attorneys calling about other attorneys. So I know that like through litigation or the deposition process when there's not a judge present, um, they will call ACAP about the behavior of the opposing side. Is that a big portion of your calls? I wouldn't say it's a big portion. Um, generally speaking, um, a- attorneys know how to handle those kinds of things to the extent that that they can get a judge involved. If someone's doing something inappropriate at a deposition, they go and get a protective order or they handle that through the court, which can obviously handle it much quicker than through the discipline system. I mean, it's it's probably a five-day wait to get a hearing set or something like that. Whereas, you know, we have a 15 day when I send out a, a, a letter for an attorney's response to a complaint, it's they automatically get 15 days to respond. And then there's a rebuttal time and then a review time. And so, you know, days and weeks go, can go on in, in the discipline side. In addition to that, obviously, we don't deal with an, indi- an individual lawsuit or action. So in in other words, if you're having an issue with your opposing attorney about a discovery issue or a sanction hearing or something of that nature coming up, the Florida bars or the discipline system is not the correct place to 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 address that. Now, when you get to a 
deposition when and a, your opposing counsel is banging on the desk and grabbing papers from your hand and using profanity and things of that nature, obviously that goes well beyond um, anything that a uh, that should ha- occur <laughs> at a deposition and. Um, that that personal behavior is something that we could definitely take on as a complaint here in, in at the Florida bar. It has nothing to do with the underlying cause of action. It really has to do with the attorney's behavior. So yes, that in those types of instances, we do see those. Uh, the other thing that we see, and probably even more frequently, I think, than attorney against attorney, is um, uh, we do have referrals from judges, um, and so we we. Definitely see those. A lot of times, um, those come in the forms of orders uh, that you know that where the the judge has written out a sanction order and says something like, "This is being referred to the Florida Bar for further consideration." And so we we do see that a number of times when an attorney is is getting out of hand. It's, you know, again in that scenario that I just mentioned, where there's an attorney that did something inappropriate at a deposition. And, um, you know, obviously you have a transcript of it, possibly even a video of it. You know, nowadays we do a lot of video depositions and, um, you know, you can really see the behavior or, or at least filter it through the, a written transcript and the judge may refer something like that if, if it's been addressed to the court. Um, every once in a while in PRI, we'll get a call from an attorney who has a client that won't pay. And he's trying to figure out what he can do, and he's wondering if he can either sue the client or, you know, get a credit bureau to go after the client. Do you receive a lot of complaints from you know, the attorney's clients in that regard, or we do see a number of fee disputes, and and again, um, you know, just having your your written fee agreement helps um, in those situations. The Supreme Court has uh, a longstanding order that basically says that fee disputes are civil matters. They're to be addressed in civil court, just like any other sort of dispute that you would have with someone you contract with. And so other than if the fee dispute would be over a clearly excessive fee, and and when you say clearly excessive, it's not your characterization of a clearly excessive, it's the court's characterization of a clearly excessive fee. So generally speaking, we wouldn't take on as a discipline matter clearly excessive fee unless it's been judicially determined to be clearly excessive or extortionate or illegal somehow. Um, There are certain fees that you cannot take. You can't take a contingency fee in a a, uh, family law case, for instance. So that would be an illegal fee. We do see a number of those fee disputes and, and typically those will be closed out with a letter explaining that the Supreme Court has said that those are, are typically civil matters where if you can't come to an agreement with the, the party, with the attorney or with the client uh, over the fee dispute, then you know, you, you'll need to go to the civil court. That uh, we have um, developed through our rule, our chapter 14 of the rules regulating the Florida bar, the uh, grievance mediation and fee arbitration program. Great program. This is, it's a free service offered by the Florida bar. It's, uh, we don't charge for it. We have volunteers throughout the entire state that are certified through our standing committee as arbitrators and mediators. Our mediations are very similar to any other mediation that, that occurs in any other type of action where the parties would um, you know, get together, make an opening statement, then usually separate, and the mediator would sort of run back and forth and, and try to negotiate out 
a settlement. The mediator has no authority to require a settlement. They're just there to facilitate the communication and try to work towards the settlement. You can leave settled or you can leave in an impasse and, you know, go out the door the same way you walked in with still with your fee dispute. The arbitration is a binding arbitration. So it is waiving your right to go to trial. We do have uh, rule 4-1.5 that gives the attorneys the, um, the, the information and the language to put in their fee agreements beforehand that gives that language for the, the waiver of, of the right to go to trial if, if you intend to subject your fee agreement to an arbitration through the Florida Bar. Um, So look at 4-1.5 if you want that language. But um, so the the arbitration is a binding arbitration. And uh, so that arbitrator will actually make a decision. It's a quasi-judicial proceeding. And that uh, that decision will stand and uh, will not be changed um, unless there you can prove that up through through the court then, um, going through um, Chapter 682 of the Florida statutes. And that's for very narrow exceptions um, that, that any sort of arbitration award would be modified or vacated. Okay. And then approaching it from a different way, when I was in the law firms and we had very late uh, payment clients, like their case had already wrapped up. And so they owed, you know, it, it had gone well for them, but now they didn't want to pay their bill. There was an urban legend that you never turned your client over to a collection agency because they would file a bar complaint. Do you have bar complaints where after you go through the initial triage process that you discover that what it really was, was that the client, that it was a retaliatory complaint because they did not want to pay the rest of their bill to their own attorney? Has that? Oh, sure. We can see those. Um, But again, we look at everything that's in the complaint and even beyond that. So, you know, the a, a complainant is not required to know our rules and to spout them back at us. So we're looking at the entire thing. We also do conduct our own investigation. Um, we have access to um, the court dockets and the files. Most of the um, clerk of the court's offices now have their documents on online that that we can see and so we can you know we get the hulk he didn't do anything he never called me and he charged me too much money well then we can look up at the the court docket and say well actually they participated in discovery they did 16 depositions they (laughs) you know and so we can actually see what the attorney has done how many hearings they've gone to what the status of the the case is actually at at that point in time or whenever the attorney maybe withdrew and um you know so so we act, we do look at all of the allegations and even beyond. There are times when um, you know that that fee agreement will be attached to the complaint or even the response from the attorney, and I'm analyzing even the fee agreement to say, look, is this a it, does this fee agreement comply with our rules? Um, you know, for one instance, you can't charge an administrative fee just by opening the file. You know, you can't charge $150 or $250. That'll get you an immediate down to the branch office and a, a no, no, don't do that anymore kind of letter. Um, so, um, you know, but but there are things that we do look at. We look at all of the allegations. And then if if we cannot prove them by clear and convincing evidence, then we're going to close those out. And it would be then just the fee dispute kind of thing. If, if you're still having that kind of dispute, you can um, take advantage of our, our mediation or our arbitration program. I did say they are free of charge and they are voluntary participation. So we would get the, um, the consent of both the complainant and the, atter- the, the attorney. 
in order to participate. And I'm curious, you mentioned that some of the files that get opened are because a judge has let you know about the behavior of a particular attorney. So if you are getting that kind of order, and it turns out, you know, the bar has this big initiative uh, this year about the mental health and wellness of attorneys. So do you have um, resources to uh, offer those attorneys? Are you going, do you connect attorneys with Florida Lawyers Assistance? What, what happens when you realize that maybe it's a mental health issue? Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up because, you know, you cannot be a competent attorney if you are not a healthy attorney, a well attorney. And and that's from so many different aspects. Um, you know, we all have those those times when we're dealing with stress and dealing and that could be a business stress, that could be a personal stress, that could be, you know, just any number of things um, going on. But but um, we we are really looking at those kinds of issues right now. And um, it's it's just so important for attorneys to understand to um understand where they are um, because those are the times when when we see just those one-offs where nicest attorney, most professional guy in the world and he loses it at a, at a deposition. That's just not, not that's just not that person, you know. Um, so but but they're dealing with something in their personal life that they just haven't been able to um, to process. Right. Um, when we get those those complaints in, especially from judges or, you know, even from maybe another practitioner who has seen something there, we're definitely able to connect that attorney with Florida Lawyers Assistance. Sometimes it it takes going through the process to actually find out um, what really is behind the the issues going on there. And, uh, you know, sometimes that comes out in the response. Well, look, I've just had to deal with my mother's death. I'm processing my father who has Alzheimer's and I've got a kid in college who I can't pay for now. But, you know, and, and just like all of this comes out in this balloon. Um, and then and then we really see where it is and, and we can address those situations then, get them the assistance that they need, not only through Florida Lawyers assistance, which is mental health counseling, drugs, alcohol, you know, things of that nature. But through your organization, PRI is a wonderful resource of, um, you know, just so much information about how you can better organize, how you can better calendar, how you can make sure your trust account is in compliance, you know, just so many different things that the list can go on and on. Um, But so we, we, we routinely direct attorneys to the PRI website to to look at uh, you know we ha- we sort of have our our favorite things of course to to direct them to uh, dealing with the co- types of calls that we get but um, it it's a wonderful resource for all of our practitioners out there. We appreciate that and and its prevention is um, just being organized taking away that level of stress can be um, you know it's it's paying a little bit now to prevent a whole lot of uh, heartache and headache later on and avoiding all of that stress. I'm glad you brought that up. I appreciate that. Um, So we let off the show with you giving us like the top three areas of complaints that you see. And the number one was communication. Is there some advice or some common thread that you've seen that you can give our listeners, you know, the advice to avoid those types of complaints against them? Yes, sure. You know, it's funny that, you know, lawyers as, um, you know, we're, generally in an adversarial profession, (laughs) you know, and so we're used to those kinds of conflicts and things like that. But sometimes, you know, you just don't even want to pick up the phone to to talk with with your own client because you just 
You don't even want to tell them that, well, there's no news. <laughs> but sometimes that's exactly what they need to hear. Um, well, I'm sorry, I haven't heard anything back from the other side yet. Uh, and you know, and sometimes that's, that's enough. Um, I, the other thing that I, I have noticed is uh, sometimes lawyers tend to leave their assistants or their paralegals to do that um, and, uh, or to communicate uh, sort of be the go-between. And and a lot of times that just generates more questions. You know, a paralegal or, or an assistant who can't give legal advice um, uh, will, will respond to a question, um, you know, f- from that, you know, I guess be, be the go-between. And um, that just generates three or more questions for the attorney that then the assistant has to either go back to or, you know, and then there's this go going back and forth when it could have been a five minute conversation with the attorney. And, and it, I just always say it doesn't count if it's not coming from the attorney, it doesn't count as the attorney client communication in, in the client's mind, you know, so I haven't talked to my attorney and I, we get this all the time. I haven't talked to my attorney. And then when I get the response back, we have communications through emails, through text messages, through telephone calls and records with the paralegal. Right, right. And you could be the best attorney in the world, but a neglected client is an unhappy client. That's right. That's right. And, you know, maybe this is a little insensitive, but you took this client. And sometimes we, you know, clients are different. Some of them, they don't care if they hear from you for a month. Another one is going to want to hear from you every day. So yeah, you got to balance that out and you have to, um, you know, maybe take some control and kind of give some expectations. And that could be taken care of also in your fee agreement about how much communication is there. And, and the reason why maybe you don't communicate with, with them, I will not be calling you every day. I will not be visiting you in jail every day. You know, things of that nature, just, set the expectation, but realize that some people are going to need a little bit more than others. And as an attorney, if you are doing family law or criminal defense and you've been doing it for years, this may be textbook case for you. It's going to be simple, open and shut. You forget that it's the worst thing that's ever happened in that person's life. It's not, they're not just a number. They are a person that's in a lot of distress and they've come to you. So I think that it's easy to forget that they need some reassurance, even if things are going well. Perfectly said. I want to talk about when it gets a little more serious. Are attorneys allowed to bring in attorneys to represent them? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. At, at every step of the process. And so how does that work? Yes. Uh, we have attorneys that... Uh, um, out there that that take on the representation of respondents, we call attorneys that are that have a complaint filed against them respondents. So we have respondents counsel. They can come in at the intake process. All they have to do is is um, file, uh, you know, basically a notice of appearance, a letter appearing on behalf of, and and then that makes the Florida bar then communicate directly with the represented or the 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 attorney representing that respondent now. Um, so uh, yes, that. That definitely happens. I would say at our stage, at the in, at the initial intake stage, maybe about twenty five to thirty percent of the time. Now, when it gets to the branch level, I think that's a, a, a even a higher percentage because once it gets to the branch level, you know, it is a little bit more serious. And, and you know, we've got a grievance committee looking at things. Um, there, you know, the attorneys may be saying, "Hmm, you know, maybe." Maybe I shouldn't have a fool for a client myself, and I should get some representation. So, and I like that you've um, 
demystified this for me too. I've learned some things today, but I, I love how much you're helping attorneys. It sounds like, I mean, the approach is really let's get this resolved instead of let's pin you to the wall. Right. Yes, most definitely. And and we don't call the attorney um, unless we get the permission of, of the caller. You know, a lot of times the callers are, are frightened that if the bar reaches out to their attorney, um, that that attorney may withdraw because, oh, no, you filed a complaint. You know, you've called the bar on me. Well, that's not the case. We we want to mend that fence. Um, we want the representation to go on. You know, um, it's very difficult and expensive and time consuming and wasteful for a client to fire an attorney or or an attorney to withdraw and then require that client to find another attorney. Um, when you're coming in midstream at things and you have to have that catch up time and and you know that usually results in a lot of judicial waste of continuances and um, you know things like that delays in the case. So we want to mend that fence uh, and if and if our staff attorneys can can do that, that's the best thing that can happen in those situations. So when someone has questions about they, – they don't want to file a grievance, but they have these kind of questions like a, a client doesn't know what the procedure is, is there a way for them to contact you? I mean, is there – is it just a phone number, a hotline kind of thing? Can they email you? It is. Um, if anyone has any questions and would like to speak with one of our staff attorneys, um, they can call the ACAP hotline. That's 866-352-0707. And uh, they'll just um, be asked to, to provide their name. And uh, well, usually we get the name of the caller and the name of the attorney they're, uh, that they're calling about. But if um, there's someone that, uh, if there's an attorney out there who just wants to speak with one of our uh, staff attorneys about a certain issue, um, then then um, they can just give their name, and we can create a just a call record, and uh, so that uh, every time you call back, if you would call back more than once, you'd get the same staff attorney. So that's why we create that little call record. So so it's just a note for us um, to know that you've called and what we discussed. And and uh, there's also for attorneys, there's also the ethics hotline, which is uh, an incredible resource again from the Florida bar, and um, I'd have to. Look on our chart to see the, the, the telephone number. number. The ethics hotline number is 800-235-8619. That is a huge resource for us here in PRI. So, um, But I, I'm Chanel, you're such a nice person. So I hope I know that's come through today. So I hope that um, attorneys will reach out to you and, and, and not be so afraid of ACAP because I think it's actually a wonderful service for them. Um, it looks like we've come to the end of our program. And I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Um, it, it was uh, very educational for us and, and we enjoyed getting to know you a little bit more. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. If you like what you've heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts. Join us next time for another episode of the Florida Bar Podcast brought to you by the Practice Resource Institute on Legal Talk Network. I'm Christine Bilbury. And I'm Jonathan Israel. Until next time, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the Florida Bar Podcast brought to you by the Florida Bar's Practice Resource Institute and produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find the Florida Bar, the Florida Bar Practice Resource Institute, and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, 
Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.